What we want is to find legitimate people who want to have relationship with God. And we can fulfill our mission statement, which is love God and love people. We can only do that by helping people find and live out the true love of Jesus Christ, the true love. Part of that true love is true worship. We worship all kind of stuff, right? We worship our sports teams. Here's a good example. This is the Browns lady. I don't know if you've ever seen the Browns lady. I actually sat, right, one of the coolest things that ever happened to me in my life. My wife got me, we are huge, diehard Browns fans. She got me, Fred, you'll like this. She got us tickets in the dog pound against the Steelers, right? (laughs) So we sat, let me tell you, the Browns, you know, they're lousy. Not this year, not this year, because we have God-fearing Peyton Hillis, right? But in the past, they've been dreadful. So this was our highlight. We sat in front of the bone lady, which was one of the coolest things in the world. But she worships the Browns, right? We also have, you know, as cool as as Browns fans are, Bengals fans are a little weird. (laughs) You know, they tend to, how many of you here today are Bengals fans? Admit it. Don't be afraid. Zach and Janelle. And Zane. And Zane. Zane, we'll pray for you. These are two Ohio State fans that I know you've seen because every time they show an Ohio State game, they're up there, right? They are on TV. I I often have wished that I could sit next to one of them just so I could get on TV because they're both on like 10 times a game. This guy is kind of crazy. I don't know who thinks of getting a tattoo of the person that they most admire. But this dude got a tattoo of Mike Tyson. I'm not sure. He may regret that one day. He may regret that one day. But of all the stuff that I've ever seen, the weirdest sports fanatic thing I've ever seen is this. I found that on Zach's Facebook page. I have no idea, Zach, what you were thinking, cutting out the head of a bobblehead doll and painting your face on there. (laughs) But some of us, some of us do some crazy stuff, Zach. And that, you know, some of us are real fanatics. And what happens is, is we begin to really be passionate and really have a lot of of hunger for little things in our lives, and those things take priority. One of the things that I stumbled upon as I was studying for this sermon this week is the amount of money that people spend on things versus the amount of money that people tie to the church. You know, the church nationwide, nationwide, if you collected all the tithe of the church, that they collected in one weekend, and you divided that by how many people claim to go to church on that day, you will reach an average of $10 per person per tithe. $10 per person. Now, if you collect all of the people 
who went to a sports event in one weekend. You take the amount of money that they spent on alcohol alone, just beer, right? I'm going to tell you, that's pricey, right? Just spent on buying a beer at the game. They took that amount of money, divided it up per person, children, women, adults, it doesn't matter, per person who went to a game on that weekend, basketball, baseball, professional football, and hockey combined, divided that up $60 per person. They included hockey. That blew it out of the water. That blew it out of the water. John chapter 4, verse 23, says this. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking out for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. That is true worship. When you can approach the throne of God, whether it be in prayer and worship, in playing and singing, however you worship, in the car, in the shower, in the kitchen, on the toilet, Wherever you sing, it's on the toilet for you, isn't it? Oh, you. Wherever you sing, wherever you worship, if you can come wholly, completely, honestly before God, you will worship in a way that's unbelievable. One of the tough things that you have to watch out for is we often think that the emotion we experience in the midst of that worship tells us whether or not we are being Uh, in the spirit, per se. That's a very dangerous thing to go to, and that's not what I'm trying to tell you here. It's not whether or not you feel good while you worship or whether or not you get little tingly bumps on the back of your neck or things like that happen. What I'm talking about here is really approaching God in the right spirit, being truthful and honest and open with who you are before God, like we can fool him sometimes, we think, but being truthful and honest and open in who you are before God and experiencing him in that moment of worship. There's, there's three ways that we really have to worship in order for us to really be truthful in our worship. The first one is to worship with all. Worship with all. I I, I sat as I was preparing this, I started to think to myself, when is the last time I was really in awe? You know, when was the last time you were really in awe? The last time that you really sat there? And there there are moments that that really spark up into my mind. A lot of them are like, I can remember when my wife turned the corner to come down the aisle when we were getting married. That was a moment. I I remember sitting in the lawyer's office uh, when I signed the official adoption paper. Uh, for my first son. I remember uh, when my second son was born. There's some really big moments. I think that we all have little moments like that in our lives that that you're just in awe. But one of those moments was uh, just recently. I was with my family in Oklahoma City, and we went to the Oklahoma City Memorial. And I don't know if, if you've had a chance to go to the Oklahoma City Memorial, but it is absolutely gorgeous. It's, it's completely breathtaking. And 
you walk in and, and there is literally just a spirit in that park uh, that just grabs your attention. You start to read the stories of the people who are in that building or on that street or even on the block nearby. You begin to walk down the fence line and you see all those little things that are hung on the fence and some of them have been there for years. Some of them were just brought there that day. And you begin to read some of those notes and you see the classrooms and you see all the things that were kind of hanging there. And we left the side of the memorial and you cross the street and there's a statue. It's a statue of Jesus that a church had actually put up there that owns the property right beside the memorial. And Jesus has his back toward the memorial. He has his head in his hands, and at the bottom it simply says, Jesus wept. And there was a moment as my wife and I walked across, we were trying to figure out what this thing was, and you knew it was a statue of Jesus, but you were trying to place it, so we crossed the street and we got there and we stood in front of it and we read what it said down there. And there was a moment when you just couldn't move. You were just an absolute all. When was the last time in our lives that we approached God in worship in that way? Scripture tells us to worship God in all. Hebrews, I'm sorry, Revelation 1, 16 and 17, I'm going to put it up here on the screen, but you can read it for yourself. It really begins to describe this dream that John had of, of, of Jesus and what it is that Jesus looked like in this dream. And at the end of that scripture, it says this, I saw this, or I saw Jesus and fainted dead at his feet. The actual word there is a Hebrew word. It's actually shakal. Shakal. And what shakal actually means is to bow down or to fall flat before God. That word is used 170 times in our scripture when it refers to worship. 170 times. What it's trying to explain is the sense that you should have when you approach God in worship. You know, people say all the time, when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, it's going to be like this, it's going to be like that. It's going to be great. People are going to be happy. People are going to be singing. You know, it's going to be a 24-7 Chris Tomlin, Matt Redman concert. <laughs> Woo! Fantastic. Right? But in essence, what Scripture tells us it's going to be like is it's going to be this word. You will be in awe. And that is how we should approach every moment of worship. Worship shouldn't be something we just do in a spare moment. It shouldn't be something we throw together so that we can have a time here in church together. It should be an experience for you, a moment where you approach the face of God in awe of what he has done in your life, in awe of what he has brought you and your family and your generations out of, in awe of where he has taken your church in one year, in awe of the amazing things that you have seen God, you have experienced God in. But most of the time, we drag our feet, we watch our watches, 
we complain about the background of the words or he's too loud, she's too loud, she's off key, and I wish so-and-so would quit clapping. They're white and way off beat. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verses 20 and 29 says, Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. I think we oftentimes, way too often, take for granted what God does in our lives. And what happens is, is he does not become priority. This does not become priority. This is just something we do. And that is a tragedy in our faith. Because God demands more. The first thing that we have to do to have true worship at One Love Church, we have to worship God in all. The second thing, we have to worship God in complete abandonment. Now, this gets scary because you say that and people start picturing, you know, Grandma so-and-so running up and down the aisles throwing snakes on you and, you know, I, believe it or not, have lived a lot of my life in complete abandonment. It's true. You know, I, I often find myself in situations where I don't think out fully whether or not it's a good decision. Like, sometimes I have stood in King's Island in, in a weird way and allowed people to snap pictures of me not thinking that those pictures too, Zach, would appear on Facebook so that the whole world could see them. I have uh, decided that I could jump into a pile of leaves. This was actually the leaf raking uh, that our church did in the neighborhood. And uh, Janelle, I think it was, said, Pastor Brad, why don't you jump in that? And I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, I bruised my tailbone. And literally, it was hard to walk for like two weeks. That was a bad idea. Uh, third, I've tried a lot of different exercises. I don't know. My wife right now has me doing um, insanity. Yeah, you're crazy too. <laughs> insanity, which for skinny people, I bet it's fun. Yeah, yeah. When your man boobs are all up in your face, it's not all that much fun. It's not that much fun. But, but, but also, I also um, went out trick-or-treating one time with a complete fool and did not think beforehand of, of what I should have done. This is, can y'all see that okay? I'm going to move out of the way. That's my sister, Holly. This, that's why I put it up there, Holly. People now, people are going to be like, dude, don't put that picture on Facebook. My pastor's on here. 
He'll put that up right in the middle of church. We have to worship with complete abandonment. Abandonment, maybe not, you know, exercise balls and all that kind of stuff, but 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 21 and 22. Many of you know this story. This is a story of a woman and David. David is praising God. Does anybody know what David is wearing as he's praising God? Yeah, his drawers, right? David's in his drawers. And the king's daughter comes out and goes, dude, what are you doing? Because you look like a fool. And David says, in God's presence, I'll dance all I want. I used to love this verse because, you see, my senior year in high school, I went to Dayton Christian. And we were not allowed to dance. And so this is the verse that we used to quote all the time when we were cutting a rug in the hallway. Yes, I said cutting a rug in the hallway. <clears throat> this is teaching, don't do this. And we're like, David, in God's presence, I'll dance all I want. He chose me over your father and the rest of our family and made me prince over God's people, over Israel. Oh, yes, I'll dance to God's glory more recklessly even than this. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll gladly look like a fool. And we get all worried because our neighbors in the pew or in the chairs may hear our voices when we sing. And so we sing real low. We clap real low, like a golf clap. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right? We're afraid about putting our hands up. Did you put on deodorant? person next to you is going to think you're crazy. I'll gladly look like a fool. You see, what David understood here was the importance of, first, the word, the word halal in Hebrew, which is the first part of our word hallelujah. And do you know what that word actually means? It means to be foolish or mad before the Lord. Yeah. And we say, you know, you, better, you have to even say this word right in worship, right? You don't scream hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Is this recording? Can we edit that part? David describes worship like this in Psalms. He says, you shout to God, dance before him. Bow down, tell of his might, meditate on his truth, still your heart, run to him, lift your hands, clash the cymbals, sing a new song, clap your hands, lift your heads, stand in awe, walk in his ways, cast down your idols, make a loud noise, tell the nations, and seek his face. Those are just a few of all of the ways that David says we are to worship. I want to read it to you again. Shout to God, dance before him, bow down, tell of his might, meditate on his truth, still your heart, run to him, lift your hands. Clash of cymbals, sing a new song, clap your hands, lift your heads, stand in awe, walk in his ways, cast down your idols, make a loud noise, tell the nations, and seek his face. What David is saying is, get crazy. We can do it like Will Smith. Get jiggy with it. Brett has no idea what jiggy means. Dave's going to show you later, Brett. There it is. 
David's saying when you are worshiping, the last person you need to worry about is the person who comes out to judge you or to tell you you're doing it wrong. She came out to tell David, uh, dude, you're in your panties. You really need to stop. And David said, I don't care who sees me or how foolish they think I look because I know what God has done for me and I cannot sit still. And if the whole world sees, I'll be foolish in front of them too because my God is worth it. You have to worship with abandonment. I don't care what you think because it's not for you. I don't care how you feel. In the church of God, we are one-hand raisers, right? Or sometimes you get in the church, two-hand raisers, two-hand raisers, but then you're getting crazy. David says, I don't care, and neither should we. At One Love Church, we are going to worship and allow people to worship in the way that brings them closest to God, not in the way that we feel is appropriate for them to do so. That's scary. Because that is the place where a lot of churches draw their lines. We're not going to do so. We're not going to do so. Finally, worship with your life. Worship with your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. You know, one of the things that I feel like we do a pretty good job of at our church is the serving part. I think it's one of the things that we, from the very beginning, really grabbed onto, and we said, you know, part of our uh, vision statement, loving God and loving people, means that we have got to get into the community, and so we begin to set up a couple times a month different events that we're going to get into. You know, our next two events, we're going to be uh, cleaning up uh, the city, and the second event is we're going to be going to House of Bread and uh, feeding the homeless. Let me take a time out here. If you've never been to House of Bread, I highly encourage, we can only, ta- we can only take 12 people uh, because we can't overcrowd the kitchen. But I really want to encourage you, it's adults only, get a hold of me, call me, email me, tell me that you want to go. We're going to have a sign-up sheet starting next week. First 12 people to sign up are going to go on that. If you have not be- been there, go. That is living a life of worship fully through what you do. One of the things that we have to understand is we have to live our worship outside of this place, outside of Maple Avenue. We have to live our worship in the world because it's those moments, those truthful moments when you're truthfully worshiping God. I'm not doing this thing in order to get publicity for One Love Church, but I'm doing this thing to worship God. I'm not raking your leaves because I really want you to wear one of those cool One Love shirts, which I should have worn. Y'all like all matched today. You didn't even mess it up any. But I do this because I want you to know that I love you. I love you because I've experienced true love. And the only form to really experience true love is through Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you what he's done in my life. And I want you to experience that as well. 
We make evangelism to be so hard. But truthfully, what evangelism really is, is you worshiping God out loud with your life in complete abandonment. That is worship. I love my church. I love my church because I know that, as we said last week, we are going to become a church of disciples who understand what it means that it's not good enough, it's not good enough for me to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That's not good enough. We in the church have made that the ultimate goal. It's not. The ultimate goal is to become a disciple of Jesus Christ because it's there that the Holy Spirit will use this church to do amazing things. It's not in what we buy, what we put, how many bands we can convince to come and worship for us. It's in us becoming disciples. And secondly, as a disciple, we will worship fully. I'm not going to worry about my neighbor because this is my moment with God. We're going to worship God in all, in understanding of what God has done in our lives. We're going to worship God in complete abandonment, unafraid of what our neighbors may think. And we're going to worship God with our lives outside of these four walls. We will be a church on the road. <laughs> Even when we have a building. Would you stand and pray with me?